The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! I guess we got a show to do. Doing other stuff. I guess the things that pass for Just got to get all the uh, watch parties going. We're gonna do a lot more audience participation on this show. I've decided. What kind? Are they gonna start zooming in members of the public? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna try though. Got all kinds of stuff in the works. I was talking to my favorite judge yesterday. Last night we were at TMF, the family dinner for the homeless. How is Judy doing? Judy. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, he bought uh, coffee and hot cocoa for the homeless last night. Nice. And I said, and I, I've been asking this guy for like 10 years, and he always just says no. And just for fun, I said, I'm just going to keep trying. I said, hey, why don't you come on the show someday and um, talk about judge stuff? Like, most people don't know how the courts work. That'd be fun. He's like, yeah, I think that would be fun. So I think we're going to get him. We got a judge coming in in the next month or so. Hi, how you guys doing? My name's Tom Duggan here at the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, top two guys smoke shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. Can you put the uh, monitor on? Great. Just so I can keep an eye on uh, the time and stuff like that. Uh, we got a great show for you today. Um, almost didn't have a show today. I almost just took the day off because I'm on deadline for the paper. Um, I had to trick people. Uh, I had, uh, when I put things on Facebook, like the papers go into print on Tuesday, I noticed certain elected officials hold off doing certain things till the next day because we're a monthly paper. And it stops me from being able to get it into the paper for the month. And then it's a month old by the time we come out again. So I lied. I went on Facebook and said that the paper was going out this Tuesday. And it's not. It's going out next Tuesday. So I've got a whole bunch of stuff that actually happened this Tuesday. They thought it was too late. And all that stuff's going to make the paper now. So I know I just blew it for myself because next month I'm not going to be able to do that. They're not going to fall for it because they, <laughs> they do watch the show as much. Don't watch Duggan's show. Duggan's show is horrible. And then they write letters to the, letters to the city council and go, I was watching Duggan's show. And he said a very unprofessional thing the other day. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty good for a guy who doesn't watch my show. Just to clarify, they watch under their fake accounts. Right. Yeah. That's, and they do. They yeah, do watch under We've their fake We've caught them. Yeah, we, we have. <laughs> so I, mean, I have one account. I'm, actually, I have two. I have one account because I'm Tom Duggan, and I have the other account because I'm in Facebook jail a lot, and I needed a second account to administer the Valley Patriot page and all my pages so we can still put news out when I'm in trouble, when I'm in Facebook jail. So um, anyways, we've got a bunch of stuff to, to get to today. I did want to thank uh, Bobby Cole 
a Methuen firefighter and his family for showing up last night at the TMF family dinner for the homeless. They called Michael uh, early last week and said, uh, we want to do a full dinner for the homeless. They were supposed to go to Borelli's. We, we try to steer everybody. If you're going to buy food for the homeless, we try to steer people to the businesses that are really good in the community and help out, and Borelli's is one of them. So they went to Borelli's, but Borelli's closed at 4, and the food would have been cold by 8 o'clock when we served the homeless. So they ended up going to the Chateau, mm-hmm. and boy, it was like gourmet food. It was like real It was like real veal parmesan, real chicken parmesan. It was amazing. Wow. The, the homeless ate better than I did last <laughs> night. I went home and made macaroni and cheese. They're all eating Chateau food. Um, but I want to thank Bobby Cole. Nice kid. Uh, I don't know how uh, all of a sudden baseball players, firefighters, and police officers all look like 12 years old all of a sudden. I think it's just because I'm old now. It's funny because when I was like a teenager, my dad would be watching TV, be watching the Bruins. I remember Marty Barrett. Remember Marty Barrett? He was like seven. Red Sox. Okay, yeah. Red Sox. And, um, and I remember him saying, Marty, that new kid, Marty Barrett, Jesus, he looks like he's 12 years old. How did these people get, to, how did these baseball players start looking so young? And I'm looking at the guy, I'm a teenager. To me, he looks like he's 40, right? Yeah. And now I'm here and I'm watching and I'm like, oh my God, like, I met this kid, Bobby Cole, last night. He's the nicest kid in the world. He came with his family and they stayed for the night. Most people who donate food kind of bring the food, they hang around for a few minutes and then they go, which is fine. He stayed all night. Um, he stayed, his family stayed, they, they helped serve the homeless, they talked to them, they engaged with them, which is great. Um, and I wanted to say thank you because we have some great Methuen firefighters and um, it seems like they're always stepping up. That's awesome. It seems like they're always stepping up, so we wanted to thank him um, and, of course, everybody at TMF who comes out on Wednesday nights to feed the homeless. And the best part is my judge friend last night was standing with me and he said, it was toward the end of the night and he said, Dude, there's a lot of food left over, man. It kind of seems like it's kind of a waste. And I said, no, 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 no. Don't, don't be under that impression. At the end of the night, we package everything up into containers, single-size containers, and we drive to all the tent cities for the people that couldn't make it to where we were. Believe me when I tell you, we're only going to get through halfway through our run tonight with the food. He's like, with all that, you're only getting halfway done? I'm like, yeah, we're only going to get halfway done. He was surprised. So he um, volunteered that he's going to be donating a dinner, I think, March 17th. 18th or the 31st, one of those two. And a thank you to our friend uh, uh, Mike Agricola at Salvatore's Restaurant in Lawrence, who is also going to be donating uh, two dinners within the next month um, for a TMF Family Dinner for the Homeless. So these, these homeless people, they like to eat nothing all day, and then they come to the Family Dinner for the Homeless on Wednesday night, and they eat gourmet food. It's, it's great, because a lot of people... We'll stop and give them a sandwich. And that's nice. Like, if you're going to drive by a homeless person, it's got a sign. Don't ever give them money because it'll go to drugs. But they're hungry. And if you go through a drive through and you get them a hamburger or a sandwich or a sub and you give it to them, you know, they're grateful for it. Uh, but that's, but they, by the way, they're eating subs and, and McDonald's and pizza every day because they're homeless. That's what people bring them. So on Wednesday night when they come, they get like a gourmet, they get a gourmet meal. And they get something that's balanced. There's vegetables, there's potatoes, like they get the whole thing. So uh, we want to thank everybody that's been helping out, everybody that uh, jumps on board with the Valley Patriot to help us help the homeless, to help those who are downtrodden. And before we get into any topics, I just want to I just want to say this again. I said it on Facebook the other day, and I've said it on this show a couple of times, but I'm still amazed. I'm still stunned after three years of doing this that we get together every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock in Lawrence to feed the homeless. Lawrence is represented by nine city councilors. I think they're all Democrats except for like maybe one. Six members of the school committee, a mayor, two Democrat state representatives, 
two Democrat state senators, a Democrat U.S. senator, I'm sorry, two Democrat U.S. senators, and two Democrat U.S. congressmen represent Lawrence. I didn't do the math on that, but I know it's more than 20 people. And of all the 20 people who represent the city of Lawrence, the people who jet into Lawrence to campaign, give big speeches, talk about how they care about the poor and the downtrodden and the minorities. And then when the election's over, they leave, and we never hear from them again until the next election. And it's, it's still stunning to me, after doing this for three years, that never once, never once, has a member of the city council, the school committee, the mayor, a state rep, a state senator, a U.S. senator, or a U.S. congressman ever shown up at TMF Family Dinner for the Homeless and give somebody a sandwich. Never once has that happened. And, you know, I, I've had people say to me, uh, but Tom, you know, the, the excuse makers, but, but, but Tom, maybe they don't know about it. Oh, they know about it. They know about it. I've talked to them. I've sent them invitations. TMF went before the city council when they got thrown out of the Buckley Garage on Common Street by Mayor Dan Rivera. Those kids got up and they begged the council to overturn his decision. They refused. But they all said at that meeting, publicly, on tape, in, uh, on, on TV, live, they all said, you know, we're going to vote no on this, but we want to help you. We're going to come on Wednesday nights. We're going to bring you food. We're going to bring you clothes to donate for the homeless. We want to help. Because they had to say that while they were voting no to help homeless people. By the way, that was a year and a half we still haven't seen anybody. Not one member of the city council has showed up. Not one elected official in Lawrence has shown up. You know who showed up? Mayor Perry in Methuen has showed up. Um, DJ Beauregard in Methuen has shown up. He's a city councilor. Jessica Finicaro, who's amazing when it comes to homeless issues, she has showed up numerous times. So you've got uh, Lenny Mira, the state, rep- the state representative from Newberry, has shown up. You've got um, state representatives from other communities have shown up. But never once anybody representing Lawrence has shown up. And I think that says a lot. I think it says a lot. I'm not trying to shame any one individual. But if you say you care about the, the, the poor and the downtrodden, if you say you care about black and brown communities, and then you don't do anything to help, then you're just a liar. And I, I lost all respect for all of those guys. Some of them are actually friends of mine. I got two, three friends on the city council in Lawrence. And I'm just kind of disgusted by all of it. I'm disgusted by the fact that they, get, you know, they, they, they campaign pretending to care about the poor. They give the same lines over and over year after year. They get in year after year. And yet they still do nothing. They have meetings about meetings. You know, they want to have meetings about how we can solve the homelessness problem. You're never going to solve the homelessness problem. They have meetings about how are we going to, how are we going to solve the addiction problem. You're not going to solve the addiction problem. But you know what you can do? You can drive around the city and give somebody a fucking sandwich. That's what you can do. You can show up on Wednesday night and bring coffee. You can see the guy that's standing there holding a sign and go through a drive through at McDonald's or Burger King and get them a hamburger. Like, there are things that you can do that are not difficult. But they all want to, like, they all want to solve, like, the big existential problem because what that really means is everything stays abstract and nothing ever gets solved, right? Whenever you hear a politician use the word comprehensive, you know for sure nothing's getting solved. They want a big, comprehensive, homeless addiction problem committee, and the committee's going to meet once a month, and the, meet- and the committee's going to meet, and the-, and the first three meetings that they have, it's going to be about meetings. It's going to be about what, what are the meetings going to be, when are we going to hold them, who should come, what's a quorum. That's all they care about is process. 
and they don't really care about results. And so I, I'm saying this on the show because I really want people who live in Lawrence, people who vote in Lawrence, we have a lot who watch the show and listen to the show on Podbean and Spreaker. I want you to start asking your elected officials, because it's an election year, you got, you got nine people running for mayor in Lawrence, you got a whole bunch of people running for city council, start asking them why they haven't done anything, why there have been no results. And when they tell you, oh, we passed a measure, and we, we passed a resolution, and when they start all the political bullshit doublespeak, I, I, don't fall for it. Please just keep in your mind while they're talking. Don't be distracted. Don't get ADD. And when they're done giving you their spiel, come back to the question and say, but why have there been no results? Why have you not accomplished anything? And I think if you guys do that when politicians are knocking on your door, if they hear it from enough people, they're going to make it a priority to do it. Because we had last year, we had all the Methuen counselors two years ago. We had all the Methuen people running for council. And the, some of the questions that I raised on the show during the debates, people were asking when the politicians were knocking on their doors. And the politicians were calling me back going, hey, you know, I, I didn't realize that was a big issue, but I go to every door. And like five out of seven doors I knock on, they're asking me that question. They're talking about that issue. So they, 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 they then will adopt that issue into their platform. And then when they get elected, we get something to hold them accountable for. Please start doing that because you drive around the city of Lawrence and it looks like downtown Beirut. There's garbage everywhere. And don't tell me this has anything to do with race because every race litters, right? But when you drive through Lawrence, it's all on the street. Like nobody's picked it up. And that's a problem. Lawrence has a lot of problems. The biggest one is people who live in Lawrence complaining about their reputation, attacking people who write negative stories, but then do nothing to improve the lives of the other people who live in Lawrence. How about like, I, I don't know, I was driving down um, Hampshire Street last night, yesterday, and there was just garbage everywhere. And there's quite a few people, quite a few uh, double and, and triple family homes on that street. How about like, I don't know, if you're not doing anything tomorrow, get a broom, go outside and just sweep outside your house. Like if, if five out of every 20 neighbors did that, Lawrence would look a lot better. So I don't want to preach to Lawrence. I know Lawrence has, has a battered city syndrome, right? Every time I, I could write 100 positive stories about Lawrence. And the minute I post a story about somebody getting shot, it's, you hate Lawrence, you're a racist. You're only doing this to make us look bad. And that's part of the battered city syndrome that they have. They really think everyone, they really think that Lawrence only has a bad reputation because outsiders bash them. They don't realize that, and it's probably because it's like the billboard that you drive by every day. You don't see it anymore. They drive by this garbage every day. They just don't see it anymore. But they got to start seeing it. They got to open their eyes. They got to go outside and they got to start picking up some of the garbage. They've got to start. There are, you can always tell. I know I'm on a rant. You can always tell someone who is um, a first or second generation American by driving through Lawrence because they're the nicest homes. People who are first and second generation Americans, when they buy their first home, it, it could be the crappiest neighborhood and it could be the crappiest building in the crappiest neighborhood. And they're going to make that thing shine. There's going to be, you drive through the worst neighborhoods in Lawrence and you can count like every fifth house, there's flower planters out and the, and the, the lawn is groomed and there's no garbage in front of their house. You can almost always tell those are first and second generation Americans. They get a lot of pride when they, when they first buy their, their first property. Everything else just looks like shit. It just does. And, you know, Lawrence has a lot of other problems. Crime is going down. I agree with that. 
Um, the new the new police chief is not new anymore, but the, the police chief is doing yeoman's work on getting the crime down. COVID has also helped. But Lawrence is a myriad of problems that the, the people who cry about their reputation could actually do something about. And that's all I'm trying to say. All right. Um, we've got a couple topics I want to talk about today. That was actually wasn't on my list of things to talk about, but let's get to a couple of things. Um, I'll leave it to Ben. Do you want to go local or do you want to go uh, with the, the the other big story? Do you want to go with the local? Let's stay local for now. Build up to the All right. Big okay. Story. So um, I've, been, I've been getting emails from a lot of people uh, over the last six months asking me why I don't run clips anymore. People really like when I run clips because we'll run a clip of a politician saying something, then I'll mock them or whatever, and people seem to like that. That seems to be part of the entertainment value of the show. And um, we've had a lot of guests in, so I haven't done that. Today, we're not going to disappoint. So this week, we had a Methuen City Council meeting. For those of you who follow Methuen, and you should follow Methuen because they just borrowed, I think, $24 million of your state tax dollars. So everything that they're doing, if they screw it up, they're going to go into full receivership. If Mayor Perry and this city council screws it up, Diana DiZaglio already has a bill written. She told me like six months ago, she's already written the bill to have full receivership for the city of Methuen. So if they screw up now, if they screw up the finances now, it's on us. It's on the rest of us who pay state taxes to bail them out. And so those of you who don't live in Methuen should be following Methuen. You should also be following Lawrence because Lawrence gets 95% of their funding from you, the state taxpayers. So we're paying for it. And if we're paying for it, we should have a say. I always hear Methuen counselors crying on Facebook. He doesn't live in Methuen. Why should he have an opinion about what's going on? Newsflash, I'm paying for it. And if I'm paying for it, I got to say, that's the way it should be. So this week we had a Methuen City Council meeting. I was really looking forward to, now that Chief Solomon has retired, now that some of the some of the hate and the animosity, hopefully I thought, had ebbed a little bit, um, I was looking forward to a, a, a really boring city council meeting where they were just going to talk about, like, you know, budget stuff. And, you know, Jessica was going to talk about four, for commas in the wrong place for four hours. We expect that. But, um, but I expected, like, a, uh, I expected them to be behaving themselves. I guess the expectation was just a little too high because the mayor started his mayor's report and Neil's always really good. He's Mr. Transparency. He loves to talk about transparency. He is Mr. Transparent. Anything you want, anything you ask for, he believes in transparency. And he'll, and he's, and he'll tell you, he's been on this show a hundred times. He's Mr. Transparency. So um, he started this Methuen mayor's report being very transparent which I liked. He talked about the COVID testing. He talked about a bunch of things. And then when he's done giving his report, each council gets to take turns asking questions. Sometimes it seems more like an inquisition than, than people on equal footing asking each other questions for the benefit of the public. Um, but um, usually most of them behave themselves. There's one council who tends not to behave himself. Um, and it's a very surprising. And that's Mike Samad. Now, hold your hate mail, because I'm not even going to read them anymore. I'm tired of hearing, why do you pick on Mike? Because he's the thinnest skinned guy in the world. He gets all his friends to send me emails, right? Anytime I mention him in a negative way. Uh, you, you, you're mad at him. You don't like him. It's, it's obvious that it's personal. I'm going to say this once. I'm going to say it here. This has nothing to do with me. I come in every week. I've been doing a show now since 1999 with like a three-year hiatus when I left radio and came here. Um... It, it, it has nothing to do with me. I'm not a Methuen resident. I'm not a Methuen city worker. I'm not a Methuen elected official. 
I'm the guy on the outside looking in. And I come in and I give you my opinions. If you don't like them, that's fine. You can disagree. I respect that. But don't, don't try to distract the issue after I'm done what I'm going to do here. And send me emails or call me or send me instant messages saying, why are you picking on Mike Samad? I'm not picking on Mike Samad. Mike Samad's making it easy. Let's play the first clip. So uh, as Mayor Perry's getting his questions around, uh, you know, uh, Mike Samad decided uh, to, he was good at first. I think this first one he was good. Uh, decided to ask about a new police chief, which is a valid question, I thought. Let's run this first one. The million dollar question I think everyone's looking at is, is where, where are we headed with the um, search for a new police chief in the time frame? Yeah, well, uh, and, and uh, appreciate the question, Councilor. Um, I kind of, from a, a process standpoint, so we do have an acting chief. Um, we will, and I'll say this candidly and publicly, we will do an extensive search for a new chief. Um, the mass chiefs have reached out to me and, and uh, volunteered to kind of help us if we so choose. But I believe that, you know, the search committee should include um, some citizen representation, a representative from the council, um, as well as um, some professionals, right? And I'd be candid with that. And, th- and then, um, but I- I'm looking at it from the standpoint of, I would like the other situation to be resolved first, fully resolved. Um, and, you know, I'm open to discussion for that with the council, you know, if they have altered abuse, but I, I would like the uh, current situation to be completely resolved before we move on. And I don't know how council feels about that, but, um, you know, like I said, open to discussion. So. so I thought that was very transparent on the mayor's part. He could have said, well, looking at it, you could have given like a typical politician answer and said, well, we're studying it, we're looking at it, we'll, we'll circle back to you, all the, all the political doublespeak. He didn't do that. He said he wants the current, and he talks in vagaries, which is tough when he, used to come, when he, when he comes on the show. He, he talks, well, we want the other situation to be resolved first. What is the other situation? Well, if you don't watch these meetings all the time, you have no idea what is that other situation. The other situation is police chief um, Solomon sent it, put in his retirement, and by the way, breaking news, I don't think anybody's covered this. The retirement board accepted his retirement last week. Um, so, he, so he is retired. Um, the, the city councilors don't want to give him his back accrued vacation time, sick time, and all that stuff because of the level of hatred. So that's the other issue that he wants resolved. He wants it resolved that the chief that's on his, that, that has left, that they have worked some kind of an agreement with the lawyers on what he's going to get for compensation that's in his contract, whether it's vacation time, sick time, time owed, all that other stuff. So he, his, I'm not too sure I agree with this, but it doesn't really matter because, again, it's not about me. His position is, as the mayor of Methuen, that he doesn't really want to get going on searching for a new chief until this is resolved. Now, I don't know why one should have anything to do with the other. I, th- I think you can probably walk and chew gum at the same time. But there might also be things that we don't know about going on behind the scenes. So, so you know, we're flying blind here. But I thought it was a, actually a good question by Mike Samad when he asked the question. I was delighted that it didn't have all the, all the little snarky things that he throws in when he talks about uh, this topic normally. And I thought, well, look at this. He's behaving himself. I got a paper coming out. I don't have to write anything bad about the guy. Finally, finally, he's doing what he's supposed to do. And then he did this. I think we have to uh, have certainty before we can move forward permanently. But as far as the temporary leadership within the department, 
Um, as the VSO position took so long, I, I anticipate this taking several months, um, if not more. Um, me personally, I, I think we saw the IG report. I think we can all agree it was scathing. The audit findings were scathing, and our current chief was um, chosen as the second in command last year by our former chief. And I think they share the same police philosophies and they're aligned together. And, and I don't think, and I think he was groomed by the former chief. I don't think, I'm not comfortable with, with staying the way we're at right now with, with the leadership in this department and for, and for several reasons. Um, you know. Wow. And I know it's a temporary position, but it could take months and months and months. For what it's worth, um, you know, I feel, um, you know, we need to go in a separate direction. And one of the, the solutions I thought would be, um, if you remember Chief Petullo from Andover, when he retired, he, he went to Salem as a police administrator temporarily until they found a new chief where there was there was no alignment. There was just uh, a, a, a guy who came in, um, was paid a a fee, monthly fee, and took over the department until a, a permanent chief was found. Like I said, that's my opinion, and, and I think we'd be better off doing that um, because I think we're bringing some of the, the old problems and, and we're moving forward with them now because this could take seven or eight months. You know, and for what it's worth, and this is your choice, um, mm -hmm. but I just want you to know that you can, you know, feel free to uh, obtain any input from the Public Safety Committee at any time. Yeah, we should do that more often, to be honest with you. Wow. So slap in the face to Neil Perry. We don't like your choice. Uh, apparently he thinks he's mayor. I don't know. Maybe he wants to be mayor. He'd win if he ran, for sure, because um, he's a hero cop. Um, without addressing whether or not he's right, okay, because he could be right, right? Let's just give him the benefit of the doubt that, because I don't know McCarthy all that well. I know him to say hi to him. Um, he may have been friendly with Joe Solomon. He may have hated Joe Solomon and, and was one of the guys diamond him out to everybody that would listen. I don't know. But let me ask you guys this. Do you think it's appropriate for city councilors from the perch of their city council table during a meeting to be calling out and disparaging city workers? I kind of think not. I just think it's wrong. That's a conversation that Mike Samad could have had one-on-one. -on -one. All the councils meet with the mayor once a week. He could have gone in privately and said, you know, I don't really like the fact that you appointed McCarthy as the, McCarthy as the acting chief while we're looking for a new chief because, in my opinion, he was groomed by the chief, blah, blah, blah. This is what I feel. And he's perfectly, he has every right to feel that way if that's how he feels, right? We can't control how we feel about things. I just don't think it's right to be doing it at a public meeting. These guys accused Joe Solomon and Greg Gallant and other people of all kinds of things over the last year. The fact that they may be right does not absolve them of their behavior. City workers should not be called out by their bosses, politicians, in a public setting unless there's a disciplinary action or a firing or something that where it has to be official business. But imagine being... Chief McCarty's wife or mom, who's proud of their husband or, or their son, watching the city council meetings and hearing that, and hearing the guy that basically pushed Joe Solomon out the door 
now trying to push your son, your husband, your father out the door and disparaging him publicly. I just think that's wrong. Listen, you guys can make all the excuses you want. You can say it's about me. You can say it's about me and Mike, Mike Samad don't get along anymore, whatever. I just think it's wrong. I think it's wrong when Mike Samad does it. I think it's wrong when anybody else does it. And he seems to be the only one that does it by name, although I think McCarty has done it twice. Jim McCarty, not the chief. So I'm watching this and I'm thinking, you know, you would think that these guys would be happy. They got everything they wanted. They won their election. They went after Joe Solomon. He's out. They went after Greg Gallant. He's out too. I mean, he's on leave, but we all know what's going to happen. We all know he's going to be gone before all this is over because they're not going to stop until he is. And you would think that they'd be happy about that and they'd be, they'd be jovial and they'd be just looking to try and find a way behind the scenes if they, if, if, if they don't like McCarty and they want him gone to talk to the mayor about maybe appointing somebody, you know, like you said, Chief Petulo or somebody, a retired chief to come in and be an administrator while they're waiting for a new chief. I just, I just don't think it's right that Mike Samad or anybody else, because then what's next? I mean, what's next? The next time Steve Saber gets snubbed by the library director, he's going to be calling her out and embarrassing her. These are city employees. Whether you like them or you don't like them, they come to work every day and they do a job for your city. And they shouldn't have to see their name in the paper or hear their name being disparaged at a city council meeting by politicians, no less. Because, you know, like it or not, these city workers actually do work. These politicians don't. These politicians run for office. They're all narcissists. They're all egomaniacs. They run for office. They, they, They do everything they can to get their name in the paper. And they will throw anyone under the bus to get their name in the paper. They will disparage anyone they can at a council meeting to get their name in the paper. And I just think it's, you know, I, I, could, I could over-dramatize and say how disgusting and horrible. I just, think, I just think it's wrong. And I wish that Methuen residents would start pushing back and saying, hey, listen, Mr. Samad, I like you. I voted for you. You're a good guy. I appreciate what you're doing on most things. But do you really have to, do you really have to disparage people from the council table? Do, do you really have to call people out by name and, and embarrass them and humiliate them with their families and their neighbors watching? And I think if enough people did that, they would just stop doing it. I said all along, Mike Samad and McCarty and Beauregard and the rest of these guys could have achieved exactly what they wanted with, with Chief Solomon without going on the public, without going in public at a meeting and pounding their fist and grandstanding and calling people out by name. I know why they're doing it. They want to show their voters, we're the ones that pushed them out. We're the ones working on your behalf. It's all theater, all of it, including what we just played. It's all theater on on all sides, right? They're all putting on a show. They all meet privately and talk about what they're going to discuss when they come out in public. I'm not going to go so far as to say it's scripted, but I think sometimes it is. And since they put in so much prep into what they're going to say, you know this was not a mistake, you know, this was planned. You know, Mike Samad planned to say it. And you know that he planned to say it at that meeting at that time so that he could grandstand and disparage someone. So the, the mayor, uh, Mr. Transparency, um, had an answer for him. And it did not seem like it was a good enough answer for Mike Samad. Let's play that last clip. Um, I haven't seen anything in the three, four weeks here. Um it convinces me otherwise, but um, um, I'm open to your feedback. 
Well, I, I appreciate that, but I, just for the record, just know that um, that the Public Safety Committee does not support um, your current direction that you're taking as far as the chief's position wow. is concerned. That's all I have, and I, I wish we would uh, consider a, a police administrator until we can get someone in here because, um, you know, I, I think that the men and women of this department deserve that, and we don't they don't des deserve more of the same internally that you're not going to see. So that's just the way I feel, and uh, I'd be more than happy to sit down and speak to you about that. Thank you. Happy to. So how about that? They're constantly telling the mayor who he should talk to, who he should, if you go on Duggan's show, if you stop going on Duggan's show, everything will be good. If you stop talking to this one, everything will be good. If you just fire that one, everything will be good. And he has capitulated and capitulated and capitulated. It's still not good enough. As I said three weeks ago, didn't I come out on, on this show three weeks ago when I said, if he capitulates to the council, it's never going to stop. And here we are. It wasn't good enough that they got rid of Joe Solomon. It's not good enough that Gallant is on leave. Now they're going after McCarty. And I guarantee you, when McCarty's gone, they're going to go after the next guy in line. They're going to go after the assistant library director and the janitor at the CGS school. That's where it's headed. And I just think it's, I think all of it is wrong. If you have a problem with someone personally, if you have a problem with someone's position, you have that pr conversation privately, quietly with the mayor. And if he chooses to go in a different direction, I don't know that it's a good idea to be publicly attacking the mayor. The mayor is the most popular guy in the city, other than maybe Mike Samad. So one of their reputations is going to take a hit. One of them is going to take a hit. Because you got the mayor saying, look, and we didn't bring that clip in. I don't think it was in the previous clip. But you have the mayor saying, look, I am much more hands-on now because he's an acting chief. I'm much more hands-on now than I was with the other chief. Um, this is the decision that I have made. And I think this is the direction we're going until we get a new chief. On the other side, you've got Mike Samad, who chairs the Public Safety Committee, which is, I mean, just a bunch of politicians, right? Sitting around having meetings about meetings. And Mike Samad is sitting there saying, we don't approve of your choice. Well, you don't get to approve of his choice. Read the charter. You don't get to approve of his choice. And to publicly take a swipe at Neil that way, after he's given you everything you've wanted, just seems like, you're an ungrateful bastard. That's what it seems like. It seems like no matter what this guy gives you, no matter who this guy refuses to talk to or refuses to do business with because you told him to, no matter, how, no matter who he fires, no matter who he disciplines, you're just going to move on to the next person to humiliate at a meeting and attack. And I just think that's wrong. Now, again, please, I'm not reading you emails if you send me emails that I'm picking on Mike Samad because I'm not picking on Mike Samad. It's all right there. And I would be doing this if it was Jessica. I'd be doing this if this was Eunice. I would be doing this if it was anybody else. I'd be doing it if it was someone in a different community. I just think it's wrong. So I don't know how you guys feel about it. I, I, I'll certainly, if you're not going to tell me I'm picking on Mike Samad, I'll read any of your emails or your instant messages on this. Um, at the next meeting, I was expecting like the next two meetings to be really quiet. I'm expecting the next meeting to be just like this one. I'm expecting people to take cheap shots at city employees because of who they had coffee with or who promoted them or, you know, I mean, God forbid Joe Solomon sat down and had a coffee with somebody who's a city worker. That guy's job is on the line. And that might sound like a, an exaggeration. It's not an exaggeration because the level of hatred is so high. Here's how high the level of hatred is. These counselors are so hateful that they forgot that they were 
elected city councilors about a week ago, they all, they, at least three of them forgot that, went on Facebook and called for, get this, they called for harassing and boycotting Methuen businesses because they didn't like who those certain businesses were doing business with. They didn't like who they were advertising with. They didn't like who they were doing business with. Now imagine, imagine you're a small business owner in Methuen. You're struggling because of COVID. You're struggling because of the economy. You're, you're, you're trying to keep your business open. You're advertising every way you can because you're trying to get business in. And you've got your elected leaders who, by the way, are kind of in charge of things. Like, you got to get a fry later permit if you have a pizza shop and you have French fries. you get an occupancy permit from the city. You've got to get a lot of things from the city. And who wants, to, who wants to piss off a city councilor, right? So you've now intimidated Methuen City businesses because city councilors are publicly calling for the harassment of, of, of Methuen businesses. That's how filled with hate these people are. It's really shocking. And to me, it just takes me back to Lawrence 1991. To me, it's like the, it's the same movie. You just have different characters, but they're all doing the exact same thing. Like we've all seen like a play like uh, Barefoot in the Park, right? Every time you see it, there are different actors playing the part, but it's the same play. This is the same play. This is Lawrence 1991, 1992, 1993, where everybody's pissed off at somebody. Everybody's looking to get somebody who's a city employee, so-and-so got his job because he's, he's a city councilor's third cousin's mailman, so we're going to go after him. Well, we didn't like the inspectional services director. He was a jerk, and we fired him. So now everybody that he went, to coffee, went and had coffee with, everybody that he hired, everybody that he promoted, we're now going after them too. That's the dynamic you've got on the Methuen City Council, and it's sad. It's sad for two reasons because it's sad, the, the, the biggest reason it's really sad is because Methuen deserves better. The people of Methuen have been through hell. They've been through a lot with the police contracts, with the budgets, with the receivership, with the state um, uh, lending them, I think it was $24 million. Don't hold me to the number. It was somewhere around there. With Judy Scannell, the superintendent, resigning in scandal because she wasn't certified to be a superintendent for the 10 years she was a superintendent. The $4 million override in the school systems. That, by the way, they all sat here at election time and said they were going to investigate and, and, and find out what happened. They've never done it. The people of Methuen have been through hell, and they deserve a lot more, I think. And kudos to Neil Perry for not falling for a lot of it, but he's falling for some of it, obviously, right? He is giving them some of what they want, hoping, because he's a nice guy, right? He's hoping that if I just give them this, maybe they'll stop and we can get business done. If I just give them this, maybe they'll just stop the, 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 the foolishness. And of course, because he never listens to me, I told him, hold your ground because no matter what you do, they're never going to be happy. Here's the proof. What did, what did acting Chief McCarty ever do to anybody other than be appointed or be promoted by the chief that just left? You guys don't know if he liked the chief or he didn't. I don't know if... I, I've, I know him to say hi to him, but I don't know if he liked the chief or hated the chief. We don't know that. So shame on the councilors, but you know, you Methuen residents really have to step it up. You're always complaining about things like stop signs and potholes and all that stuff is important, but you got to call them out on this stuff too. Because if you don't, it's going to continue. And then eventually, some city worker is going to be disparaged and they're going to file a lawsuit and it's going to cost you money. Like the $48,000 Steve Saber cost you over the Quincy Street situation. Because he opened his mouth when he shouldn't have. 
Steve Saber cost the taxpayers of Methuen $48,000. That's what they paid to settle the Quincy lawsuit, the Quincy Street lawsuit. They're going to put a, um, half, they put a halfway house on Quincy Street. Neighbors didn't want it. Steve Saber's brother gets up at a public meeting and says, um, I have a financial interest in this. I'm a neighbor. I don't want this in my neighborhood. And then Steve Saber, his brother, on the city council, who's now the council president, instead of recusing himself from that discussion, which he legally was supposed to do, instead, instead advocated for his brother's position from the table. That was probably Steve Was Saber. that him calling yeah, you right probably, now? <laughs> probably him, right? So a lawsuit ensued, and the city had to settle it and pay $48,000. Had Steve Saber kept his mouth shut, you'd have $48,000 to hire another cop. You'd have $48,000 to hire another teacher. You'd have $48,000 to fill potholes. But that money's gone. So that's my recommendation. You can take it or leave it. Take it for what it's worth. Again, I have no skin in the game. I have no relatives that work in Methuen. Couldn't care less. These people think that they're really important, right? They're all in their own, it's their, their own little circle jerk. They, 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 it's an echo chamber. They run for office looking to please their constituents. And when they get into office, their constituents become their colleagues. They're more interested in pleasing their colleagues than they are the constituents. And they do it pretending they do it on behalf of the constituents. But what the hell was that with Mike Samad? Like, did that really help? The, did the constituents really get helped in any way by him publicly calling out the acting police chief and having more people in the community now have no faith in that police chief? Did that help anybody? Maybe the criminals. Other than that, I don't know who it helped. So anyways, that's, that's my rant. So I've got two choices here, Ben. And I'm sorry, what is, what is, what is your name again? Chrissy. Chrissy. I'm gonna have this a new... isn't the voice of Chrissy. I just want people to right, right. understand that. I, I'm going to have a new producer. And I, already, I walked in and I looked at her and I said, this is not going to work. <laughs> right? First thing I said is, this is not going to work. First of all, female producer, I'm pretty sure that's a recipe for disaster even before we, get fo- even before we discuss anything else. right? And then secondly, she's really hot. Right? And then on top of it all, I get told by Mr. Jonathan, she's mine, stay away from her. So now what am I supposed to do? <laughs> how, how am I supposed to do a show with that kind of distraction going on? We're going to need to get you some blinders like a horse. Right, yeah, that would work. <laughs> so you can only look forward. That, that could work, that could work. So we've got two choices here, Ben. We can end the show, right? We get 40, we're at 42 on the show. Or we can get into the Boston sports thing. It's up to you. It's, it's up to you, my friend. Uh, I'm, in, I'm personally interested to hear what your opinion is about this Barstool sports information because this directly relates to someone I know and I've known for a very long All right, time. Actually, and we're going to get him on the show, right? We're going to try. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be great. All right. Well, so let's just go one more. And we want to thank our sponsors too, by the way. I um, want to thank AFC Urgent Care. We love uh, Lisa Williams and her husband, um, Marston and Son Construction, Andover Optical, EIS Investigation, and Gun Training. If you need gun training, you want to get your gun permit, call EIS Investigation. They'll put you through the class. They'll give you your certification if you pass, and then you can go get your gun permit. Borelli's Deli, which is where I go every Wednesday, Thursday after the show. I don't even know what day I do the show anymore. All my days run together. Um, who else did it? And McLennan Real Estate. We love Century 21. McLennan Real Estate, and we're going to have Matt on again in, in maybe a month to talk about did the real estate prices go up, go down based on our last conversation here on the air. So we've got one more topic uh, to get to. Um, there's a, a lawsuit that has made its way to the Massachusetts State Supreme Court, and it has very wide First Amendment implications in Massachusetts. So here's the skinny on this. 
Barstool Sports, I don't know if you're familiar with Barstool Sports, they're, um, they're, a, they're not a news website, they're really kind of a sports website, but they do dabble in news stuff, and they do like to do a lot of gotcha journalism, the kind of stuff Nancy Pelosi hates, right? The kind of stuff that, that um, AOC hates. They do a lot of like gotcha journalism on elected officials who, let's face it, are a bunch of idiots, right? They basically pick the biggest idiots of elected officials, and then they do stuff to them. They'll call them, they'll prank them, whatever. So a guy from Barstool Sports, what was it? What's his name, Ben? Kirk Minahan, Kirk. formerly of the morning show on WEEI, the Kirk and Callahan morning show, which was wildly popular. All right. See, I'm not a sports guy, so I don't know any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But Kirk Minahan made a phone call to Somerville Mayor Kurt Atone. Now, before we move forward, I've got some experiences with Mr. Kurt Atone. I worked on a campaign of the guy that ran against him about 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Shady as they come. This guy is one of the shadiest politicians there is. I mean, believe me when I tell you, I, I, don't get, I don't get involved in a lot of political campaigns outside of my area, my coverage area, Lawrence Methuen, Andover, Salem, North Andover, Haverhill. But I got a friend who worked on uh, a campaign. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. If I think of it, I'll say it. Uh, who ran against Curtis Tone the first time he ran for mayor of Somerville. And he asked me if I would help him designing ads and creating messages and stuff like that. So I did. And I spent a lot of time helping them at no cost, by the way, which is normally what I do. I'm going to stop doing that. And this guy just turned out to be really shady, like as shady as they come. So this guy, Kurt, calls Mayor Somerville Kurt Atone pretending to be a Boston Globe reporter. And he says at the beginning of the interview, we're recording this just so that I can get everything right. And Kurt Atone says, fine. And he thinks he's talking to, is it Dave Cullen? Uh, no, he thinks he's talking to Kevin, Kevin Cullen. Cullen. There's a, you know, I'll give you a little bit of backstory because I was involved in okay. a lot of oh, this good. stuff. Um, there's a long-term feud between Kirk Minahan and Kevin Cullen. Kevin Cullen was exposed for putting out some fraudulent reports surrounding the marathon bombing. Oh, he, he was the guy that claimed he was there and he wasn't there? Exactly. There's a lot of and that going on in journalism. Kirk took a lot of issue with that and just you know, let the dogs out. And right. like, we're getting them. Right. So that's a little bit of the backstory behind. So that's why Kirk he used that Kevin. name. That's yes. why he used that name. Cause he figured it would be somebody who's not going to like Boston. Exactly. Okay. So they call, so he calls him. He says, we're going to record the conversation. He says, fine. Pretending to be Kevin Cullen. And when it was over, they, po- they posted the phone call and the phone call basically was you're, you're disparaging Boston sports you're in the paper disparaging, calling them racist, calling them this, calling them that. I got to have facts, he says. I'm Kevin Cullen from The Globe. I got to have facts. Can you give me a link to a website where they use the N-word? Can you give me and – the, and the guy humming, 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 humming. He didn't have an answer. And he kept coming back to like other things and distracting and making it about other stuff. And they kept coming back. So it was a very embarrassing phone call. And I'm going to play a little bit for you. We'll play like you know, just a few minutes of it or whatever. We'll, we'll play it till it, till it – uh, it's made the point. He, this is actually a copy of part of the phone call. Kevin. Hey, Joe, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? Sorry, uh, it took so long to get back to you. No, that's no problem at all. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to record this so we have it. Is that good? Just because I don't want to no misquote you. All right. Frank Wright says hello. Oh, yeah, how's he doing? Doing great. Yeah, what's, yeah I am. Good guy. Jeez, yeah. So I'm trying to figure out this Bastool thing. I don't understand it. They've given me... Brief in the past. I've been through wars with these guys too. But what's what's I read Jessica's thing. What's going on here? Well, it's about Boston, but it, it, it's also not about something bigger. I 
know, I took, uh, I, I use my platform that I use to communicate on many issues and state my opinion on many things, uh, and take that and use that to take the opportunity to stand up, uh, and for what Jessica Heslam and Marissa and Jemmy and others have been, uh, uh trying to write about and, and, and bring to light. Um, and that was sort of the hypocrisy of, uh, you know, the whole, I don't know what they're calling it, hey, what? Or the, and the Bruins partnering with Bostil, given the fact that, you know, it contradicts, directly contradicts with the NHL and the Bruins' mission to make the game more diverse and more inclusive. And you very well know that Bostil's explicit mission is to target and market to white man Bostil and uh, its founder have, have been explicit in their language and actions in terms of being misogynistic. Well, I guess so. Uh, you know, I'm gonna play. I'm, I'm, so I'm sorry, Joe. I'm gonna play the devil's advocate. You know, I'm a fighter. I've been a fighter my whole life, obviously. But I, what I don't, what I don't understand is like when you say. Uh, so I, I looked up. I can't find real examples of them being like racist. Like, I, you, you can help me out. Like, where, where, where's the racism? Uh, I, I, it's both support. But I, if it's easier, I mean, I want to take I want to take these stooges down too. But I, I just need examples. It makes it easier for me because look, I you know obviously I can't make anything up. But I mean, look, these you know I got tweeted kind of like Gamergate with the veneer of sports painted over it and covered over it. We you know we you know I mentioned earlier it's about Boston, but it's about something bigger. You know, it's about Boston, but it's not about Boston. I don't have an answer. But you called. But you called out. But you called out Bastul specifically. Then. Yeah, well, I did. I, so, I, so, I, so I guess so. Uh, so I'm right. I'm writing. So I'm writing about about Barstool here. And so I need to know. Like I'm looking, and you know, you're, you're calling. I see. I see everyone saying they're racist. They're homophobic. They're, you know, they got they hire women all over the place. I don't. Where you know, where where specific? But 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 complaint, complaints complaints are. Like, yeah, but like. But where? But but where are the specifics? Right. Where are the specifics? You got me now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, I got a call coming in. Oh, Tom, Tommy, Donahue, Jesus Christ. What? Oh, Tommy's always calling. Let me give you a couple examples. You know, reading the responses back to Jessica Haslam and Marissa and Jemmy, their calls, what they wrote, what they ask about. Were those people from Barstool doing that? I don't, I don't even understand. I, were but people. It comes through the portal of that, and they're, and they're found out. The founder was hosed by the NFL for a reason as well, also, right? And what they, what reason is that? Perpetuated, given the platform to launch this sort of toxic uh, rhetoric, which targets anybody who calls them out. So you're saying, uh, so, so you're saying, oh, the thing with uh, the thing with Goodell. So, so what? Did, I, I, so yeah, I know that's I know that the thing with the nose, with the it was like a clown nose or something. My, my point is, you know, you can pick a, a fight against Bostol any day. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of this. You know, and, and it's any day that we can have that argument. The point is, you know, both uh, Jessica Haslam was standing up and calling out. The All right, I think we could probably cut that. So that's the essence of the call. It goes on. It goes on for like another five minutes or so, and he keeps asking, well, what have they said? That's Can you send me a link to them saying something sexist or racist? So the reason I'm bringing all of this up is because Joe Curtatone, the mayor of Somerville, sued Barstool Sports claiming fraud 
First, they claimed fraud. The judge threw it out. And they claimed fraud based on the fact that this guy called pretending to be someone else. So when the judge threw that one out, they filed another lawsuit, and it's now been appealed all the way up to the Mass State Supreme Court. I'm not sure even how it get, got that high. It shouldn't have. And basically what he's claiming is this. In Massachusetts, you can't record someone secretly. So in other words, if someone's an elected official and I've got my camera and they can see that I'm recording them, I don't have to ask them for their permission, they can see I'm recording them. If I put my tape recorder down at a city council meeting up at, the, up at the front, everyone sees me do it, they know it's being recorded, I don't have to ask for their permission, it's not secret. If I've got someone on the phone, though, I've got to, I've got to ask for their permission to record their call. Curtis Tone's position, and, I, and it's, it's, to me, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, but I want to explore it. His position is because he lied about who he is when he made the call, and because Curtis Tone agreed to be recorded by Kevin Cullen, not this other guy, that that makes it an illegal secret recording. And this has now made its way to the Massachusetts State Supreme Court. Now, think about the First, First Amendment implications of that, because people lie in the journalism business all the time. There are city councilors and state reps who will refuse to talk to me. So I'll call one of my interns and say, hey, do me a favor. Call this elected official. Tell him you're with, I don't know, BZ News. Make it, just make something up. Tell, tell me you're with um, GLS News in Worcester. And you just want a quote about a story that I'm working on. And they'll call and pretend to be someone else and get the quote, and they'll give me the quote. Otherwise, as a journalist, I'm never going to get that quote because some of those elected officials will never talk to me because they know I'm not going to skew it in their favor. They know, like, you know, they, like Mike Samad's friends, you know, they're not mad that I'm picking on Mike Samad. They're mad I'm not giving him a free pass. That's why they're really mad. And these politicians all want a free pass from the press because they do nothing but suck up to the press. And if the state Supreme Court says, no, Boston Sports was wrong because they lied about who they are, journalists like me are going to have a much harder time getting news out to the public and informing people about what's really going on. In other words, if Joe Curtitone is willing to say everything he said on that call to who he thought was Kevin Cullen, that recording still exists. Kevin Cullen, a year from now, could mistakenly email that to somebody who then can use it for nefarious reasons, or leave it on his laptop and someone comes across it, or it's in the iCloud that other people maybe have access to. They can then take it, cut clips, take it out of context, and use it to embarrass that elected official. And that elected official knows all of that when they say yes. When you say to a celebrity or to an elected official, I'd like to record you, is that okay? And they say yes. It doesn't matter who they're talking to. What matters is this person consented to have everything they say be recorded. So it doesn't matter what the other person says. It doesn't matter what the person they're talking to believes or who they are, at least in my opinion. It, it, it doesn't matter what they say or what question they ask because he can still say, well, I'm being recorded. I'm not going to answer that, Right. He still has control. So he had control when he consented to the, to the interview. And he had control when he chose to answer the questions the way that he did. How that's a secret recording under the law, strange credulity, as my lawyer friend would say. It's going to be interesting to see because the Mass State Supreme Court is very liberal. They're very left wing. 
and they may go in the wrong direction. And this might end up at the United States Supreme Court. This very well could. If Massachusetts does what I think they're going to do and rule against barstool sports, which would be a huge crime, this could end up in the Supreme Court. And thank God we got Neil Gorsuch. Thank God we've got, who's that woman? What's her name? Mary Bartlett something? Mary Comey Barrett? Amy Coney Barrett, sorry. Thank God we've got some conservatives that actually look at the Constitution, who look at the laws as written and interpret them as written, as intended. And that's why I'm an originalist, by the way. An originalist is somebody who believes that the Constitution means what it says, and it says what it means. It's to be applied as it was intended. And just because words change over time doesn't necessarily mean that the intent of what they wrote in the Constitution, including all the amendments, shouldn't be interpreted the way they were written and the way they were intended. And a lot of times, politicians don't like that because they can't get through what they want through the ballot box, and they can't get what they want through the legislative process, so they try to do it through the courts. And they try to have the courts invent rights, right? Like the right to gay marriage. It's not a right. There's no right to be married. There's nothing in the Constitution that says you have a right to be married, straight or gay or any other flavor of sexuality, right? But somehow the Supreme Court under Obama found a way, I think it was under Obama, might have been under might have been under Bush. Don't hold me to that. Um, but somehow the Supreme Court found a way a few years ago to say that gay marriage and marriage in general was a constitutional right. No, it's not. It's not. And at some point, we're going to get a real, a real Supreme Court that's going to go in there and overturn some of this stuff. But we all have to live with the consequences in the meantime. And just because, by the way, as Scalia once said, um, former Supreme Court justice, just because something is not a constitutional right doesn't mean you can't do it. You can persuade your fellow Americans to have your legislature pass something through the legislature and get it passed that way. You don't need abortion to be a constitutional right. You can pass a law just saying abortion's legal, right? It doesn't have to be a constitutional right. But some politicians who can't get it through the legislative process or the ballot process go through the courts. And I'm frightened about this particular lawsuit because it will have long-term implications for reporters, the media, Hollywood, radio, television, and the movies. And we're going to follow it. I'm probably going to write about it in next week's paper. And we're going to try and get, what is his name, Chris Mullane? I'm horrible with Kirk names. Minahan. Kirk Minahan. That wasn't even close. Not even close. <laughs> we're going to try and get Kirk Minahan on the show to talk about this as this progresses through the courts. And I want you guys to watch it. And if you see a story about this come up, about a filing, please post it on my page. Um, I want to thank uh, Ben for being my producer. You can roll that up. Uh, thank Ben for being my producer. We're actually going to end on time today. I want to thank Chrissy for being here. We're going to try and make this work next week. I'm going to do my best. I want to thank Ed, who's also here. I also want to thank uh, uh, Dave from Two Guys Smoke Shop uh, here at uh, Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. A uh, What is the production? What is it? Uh, United Podcast Network. And we want to thank the United Podcast Network for carrying this show nationally, internationally. We appreciate it. Ben gave me my uh, ratings for last month. It's the highest it's ever been. I don't know how that's possible because when we had these debates, we had some pretty high numbers. So without debates and without special stuff, if we're getting high numbers, that just means onward and upward. So thank you, everybody, for, uh, for watching. We will see you next week. Get a surprise for you next week, so make sure you pay attention. And we will have uh, my, my friend, my famous friend, Judge, will be here probably in two weeks. Sounds like, can you pull that up a little? You can hear 
Sounds like Melvin Taylor says we got to go home, so go home already. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.